our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Backstage Gaming, dramatic takes on your favorite games. I'm Chris. And I'm Dylan. And we're here. It's week two of our bi-weekly mini-episodes to keep you and us sane in this very weird time that we're living in. How many weeks will we have to do this? God I only, just don't know. God only knows. Um, <laughs> God. I, yeah, the, you still can't buy flour in my neighborhood of Chicago. Uh-oh. And that's fun, because, man, I would love to be stress-baking right now. Nice nice to know that all the rich people are hoarding the flour to themselves. Yeah, honestly, fucking Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake bullshit going oh on right God. now. Oh, my God. But that's not what this podcast is about. This podcast is about video games and the storytelling and engagement. And today we're going to talk about a particular way of engaging with games and we talked about something kind of related to this so this might be a little bit repetitive for anyone who's been listening to us since like god i don't even know when that episode was all more than a year ago at this point i think mm. we're going to talk about self-imposed challenge in games and how games allow players to set their own difficulty level uh i believe yeah. in the first episode that we talked about this kind of topic uh, we talked about Nuzlocke runs in Pokemon, in which yes. you sort of take on the additional challenge of, like, if your Pokemon faints, they are considered dead, and you cannot revive them, you have to release them. And also limitations on how many Pokemon you catch, and sort of building in a more challenging sort of gameplay experience for yourself in what is, if you play it just with the systems in place, not a particularly challenging game most of the time. So Dylan, you came up with this idea for this week. What has you thinking about that right now? A couple things. I already but know, the... but I'm asking you as yes. a pleasant conceit for bringing the audience <laughs> into our lives. Ah, uh, yes. Um, so in my quarantine adult state, that's not true. Uh, I was actually playing uh, quite a bit of Animal Crossing New Horizons, uh, which came out recently, uh, for those who didn't know. It's my first Animal Crossing game, and the reason why I was interested in it was because the idea of a game where the entire point is to walk around and forage and craft um, and really just do that as like to no real end other than to decorate your house or really just find menial ways to distract yourself. Um, it's very therapeutic, but the reason why I got into that um, in Animal Crossing was because I realized I really liked that in The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Uh, my favorite stuff to do in Breath of the Wild were in Animal Crossing. And as, as I was playing Animal Crossing, I'm like, what if I were to play Breath of the Wild, but limit myself in a way where this side diversion of farming and collecting and foraging, I guess is the best word. What if I made that the main point of the game rather than just that side thing I did to amuse myself? And okay. so 
because of that, uh, I've decided to play The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild without using melee weapons. And what this does, what because this means is that... Man. <laughs> but But what this means is that I can't, I can't rely on melee combat to succeed anymore. I have to think more outside the box. Um, I have to craft elixirs that will increase my damage output um, so that, you know... My main method of attacking is going to be with bows and arrows. So arrows are a very precious resource. I need to be able to augment my damage output so that I don't just run out of arrows while trying to take down a camp of uh, the Bokoblin enemies or, you know, whatever enemy it is I'm fighting. Yeah. I I have yet to decide if I want to take on a Lionel. (laughs) (laughs) If you do, you are a braver man than me by far. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I I guess it's I and you know that that's part of it. And another part of it is also like people loved and we talk about this all the time. But people love to point to the fragility of weapons in Breath of the Wild as like one of its biggest detriments. But the thing I love about Breath of the Wild is that you know if you're relying on the weapons are like the least interesting part of Zelda combat. I feel like they always have been. Yeah, that's accurate. Like Twilight Princess has the most in-depth combat system and even then it's like if you compare it to like most action games it, it's not really like anything it's not reinventing the wheel. No, because that's not what Zelda games have ever been about. Zelda right, it's, games it's, are not at their core action games. They are gorm they are gorms. They're gorms about exploration. Um, and they're games about, like, finding new ways to interact with the world around you. And Breath of the Wild has that in spades. Yeah. Like, that is the core of what Breath of the Wild is about. I I think the people who point to this as, like, a major, like, flaw with the game. And, you know, it's, it's perfectly okay if it is not a system for you. Yeah. But, you know... They want to play Link as a warrior when really Link is a ranger in Breath of the Wild. That's very accurate, yeah. Yeah. What have you noticed about, like, having played Breath of the Wild before in the, I suppose, intended way, Mm -hmm. what have you noticed this changing about, like, the way that you were engaging with this game? Well... I think my first time playing through Breath of the Wild, like nothing has really changed all that much. I'm I'm cooking more frequently mm-hmm. because I, I never really worried about that too much in my first playthrough. But as a third playthrough, or I guess a, another, my second repeat playthrough, it's actually causing me to appreciate the game a lot more because I originally played the game on a friend's Wii U that they lent me because they were getting it on Switch. And so... That first time I played the game in about two, three weeks because I didn't want to hold on to uh, my friend's Wii U for too long. Um, But I I really enjoyed everything about that game. And my second time through, it's when I got my own copy on my own Switch. And at that point, I was just I was trying to rush through the game to get back to like that feeling of completeness that I had at the end of my Wii U run. And I, I didn't really get a lot out of it. I got a lot more enjoyment watching you and uh, our other roommates play my copy of Breath of the Wild than I actually got from playing Breath of the Wild myself. Mm-hmm. Just because I, I had seen everything and I was trying to make up for that lost progress. Um, now, however, kind of doing this weird indirect run, it's really forced me to like slow down and kind of enjoy the things I originally enjoyed about Breath of the Wild, 
which is the slow pace. It is the hunting animals and foraging and just kind of wondering, maybe not necessarily what's around the corner because I've played the game. I I might not know every single detail of the game world, but I, I remember a decent amount of it. Yeah, you, but, you've got the bones uh, in your just, head already. Yeah, but there, there's that eagerness, that anticipation of, all right, here's a bokeh in the camp. I actually want to find, you know, if the if that treasure chest that unlocks when you kill the entire camp, if that has like fire arrows or ice arrows in that, I, I want those. Yeah. So you, you start thinking about like the most efficient way to take all those enemies out. And instead of running in sword blazing, uh, you're kind of going around and like being like, all right, are there any explodable barrels here? No. Um, all right, damn. Uh, let's see. Let's look for, uh, let's look for, uh, I don't know, a, a boulder I can run through here. Uh, nothing. Okay, great. Um, oh, there, there's a lot of tall grass here. Maybe if I start a fire, I can blow the wind over in that direction and that'll take them. All right. All right. I got a plan now. Um, and it, it, it's just that it's that kind of like taking in the environment and thinking yeah. about what my options are and strategizing that has really breathed new life into that game for me. That's really cool. I, I'm not going to lie to you. Before you mentioned mm-hmm. it a couple minutes ago, I had fully forgotten that Breath of the Wild had a Wii U version. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I did. And I played the Wii U version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that had completely left my head. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this in a, a different direction for a second. Okay. Because I've recently been, uh, I've recently been playing through, and I mentioned this in our episode last week about games that are keeping us sane. Uh, I've been playing through XCOM. Yes. And XCOM 2 specifically. And XCOM 2 is a very fun game. And I, when I play it, I opt to play it on an included option, which is called Iron Man mode, which means that every time you make an action in the game, the game will save its progress right afterwards. So there's no save scumming there's no like oh crud i made one mistake that mission i need to start over so i don't lose everybody no if you if you make a dumb mistake you got to live with the consequences and i've made a few dumb mistakes in my current playthrough but i decided that that was not emotionally challenging enough for me (laughs) uh and so as dylan just alluded to i went into the uh the character creator in xcom 2 and i made all of my friends as soldiers that i could recruit (laughs) Uh, Dylan, you have not died yet. You are one yes. of the highest ranked operatives in in my squad. <laughs> you are a heavy and you've, you're you just strapped to the teeth with grenades and you're real good with them. Um, but this is, for me, this is just, it's not even really an added difficulty, but it's a way of emotionally investing myself yeah. in it uh, more. Oh, sorry. Yeah, go ahead. No, go for it. Um, I was going to say, I actually do that in games like Etrian Odyssey or Dragon Quest mm-hmm. where you know it's uh specifically Dragon Quest 3 where you can roll your own party um because you know part of the fun of those games that are very uh they're very sparse on story they are very mechanically driven games yeah. where you are kind of exploring an area for the sake of it but when when you name characters after your friends or people you know I don't know why you name a character in a game you're playing after a person you don't like unless you want to see them die, which is kind of, I don't know. <laughs> that person's living in your head rent-free. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> um, it's free real estate. It's free real estate. But anyway, 
<laughs> okay, I'm back. I'm back. I swear, <laughs> I'm back. But anyway, um, I don't know. It's like you you visit a town and you're thinking like, all right, how would Dakota, for instance, react to this desert town? Would he be like, oh gosh, the light is so harsh, um, here in this desert wilderness, or like, would he be like, all right, let's go to the inn and fucking get a drink of water? Yeah. And what I what I've found in this current XCOM run because I'm current I've full disclosure I've never beaten XCOM two I've played XCOM two a lot but I've never beaten XCOM two and one of the things that I've found on this playthrough is naming all of the people after my friends it's making me even more wary of the decisions I make that could cause any of my soldiers to die because yeah especially as you get into the late game if people start dying that's real bad for your chances of being able to finish the game. But it's also just led me to remember things better. And I've talked about this before as well with XCOM 2. Turns out I really like XCOM 2. Um, (laughs) XCOM 2 is a game that thrives not on the narrative, because the narrative is fairly simple. The narrative is, you know, aliens have taken over the world. You don't like that. You want the world back. Mm -hmm. But what comes out of that are these, like, player-directed story moments where it's like, you know, to to take an example from the game that I'm playing right now, I had one soldier step a little bit too far forward and, you know, stumble upon a big group of enemies. And that one mistake led to, like, a pretty desperate position where two of my soldiers were killed outright for that. Ooh. And then I had to, like, frantically fight my way out to the evac zone to keep the last two people standing alive. And, like, that's not in the game designed to happen. That's not a story moment that the people at Firaxis were like, we want this mission. That just came out of my play. And mm-hmm. the other day, and I, I, I promise this isn't, the rest of this episode isn't going to be Chris talks about cool things that happen in XCOM, but there was one moment <laughs> that, like, really stuck with me. I was in just, like, a tough position where I had several people kind of pinned down behind the only cover available and, like, the best thing I could have had happen was to be able to get one of my heavy weapon guys who had a rocket launcher, who in this case is modeled after our friend Dakota, who we mentioned earlier, into position to use that rocket launcher to, like, you know, if if he could get into a good position, he could kill at least one of the aliens and destroy the cover that the rest of them were using, which would, like, allow me to salvage this very bad problem I'd gotten myself into. But there was no cover anywhere that would allow... Dakota to get that shot off Mm -hmm. and so I was like well this is a stupid mistake but the only way out of this is for me to take a stupid risk and have Dakota go full on Ungabunga battle Valkyrie mode and stand bald faced in the middle of this empty clearing to shoot his rocket launcher how did that work for you? it worked I lost two people on that mission but Dakota was not among them he survived against all odds and honestly saved the rest of the people in the squad that were out there and honestly saved my run because if I had wiped on that I was losing like probably half of my soldiers that were worth anything at that point in the game Mm. and like it was it a cool moment regardless of the fact that I named this bunch of pixels after my friend yeah but I don't know that I would have had been quite as invested in it if I hadn't been like all right Dakota now's your chance to bring home the bacon yeah and then it yeah, yeah. And then it worked out, and it was great. And, like, you know, it it's a set of polygons that look nothing like Dakota, but, like, because you have given him that identity, like, that has shaped 
exactly. the way you view that exactly. mass of polygons. He's yeah, Australian yeah. for some reason. I didn't do much in the character <laughs> editing process. Oh my god, of course he's Australian! <laughs> Why well, was the first thing I thought of Jace from Team Four Star Abridged? <laughs> But yeah, I it's it's the same kind of thing that you get in uh, frequently one of the rules imposed in Nuzlocke runs of Pokemon is that you have to name all the Pokemon so that you develop an emotional connection with them beyond just like, oh, this is my Charizard. And I think that that's, that's another interesting way of like, it's not making it more challenging, but it's asking you to invest a little bit more in a yeah. way that games do not typically ask of you. Yeah, I, I had another one. It's in the same vein as my Breath of the Wild run, but like back when I was still living in Chicago, I did a, I started a run of Final Fantasy VII where I don't use the fight command. Oh right, you um, only use magic and, and limit breaks. Yeah, I only <laughs> used, I no no limit breaks. Uh, only magic and uh, items. Uh, whatever whatever materia I have equipped, which is what allows you to use magic and stuff like that, and items. And it it, it was very much for the same reasons. I I wanted to utilize the systems in the way that was roundabout and oh i also in this same run i also did not go to item shops and i i made it so that i could only use an inn once like the first time i visited a town i don't know why i put so many restrictions yeah. on myself but like i think like it's because like uh the cast of final fantasy 7 they're all eco-terrorists uh and you know they're they're outlaws they're kind of on the run they're fugitives and so i kind of wanted to recreate that that sense of desperation so i was like okay yeah we can't stay here long your resources are scarce the only items i really use are items i find in treasure chests or items i steal from enemies so that that just it, it gives a story that honestly um after the first 10 or so hours like kind of slows down for a while it kind of gives it another shot of uh urgency that's really interesting you're also an absolute glutton for self-imposed limitations and magic-only runs. It's, it, I mean, really, it's just Final Fantasy VII and uh, Kingdom Hearts. Birth of the Wild. No, that was Dakota. Oh, that was Dakota who did. The, yeah, the magic I was about to say, like D Dakota's the one who did the magic-only run. Um, I'm not that crazy. I just play the game on critical mode, having not played <laughs> Kingdom Hearts two in 13 years. <laughs> yeah, and I, th I think that that's an area of game design that's really interesting is there are a lot of games out there that are designed in such a way to give you the option of challenging yourself more mm -hmm. not every game does that and not every game can do it but even something like um the FromSoft dark souls games oh yeah they th they thrive on that yeah there are ways that you can play it that make your make it either easier or difficult more, oh my more. god chris i just remembered i did a castlevania run with no equipment remember like, that like, like i said <laughs> <laughs> i forgot about that because like alucard has so many different spells that you can cast so yeah okay okay yeah but like again that's that's kind of an area where a lot of games find their replayability and find their difficulty slider like a game like dark souls is notoriously difficult and doesn't give you any overt options to circumnavigate that but there are choices you can make that will make it easier for you if you're someone who, I don't want to say doesn't have the reflexes, but like for whatever reason, you're not as into the like quick timing parry and like timing out your invincibility frames on your rolls, you can instead play a ranged or magic focused character, which from everything that I have heard, 
makes the game substantially easier because it removes a lot of like the twitch reaction time necessary for the more melee focused versions of that of characters in that game and so i think that like i guess the the kind of closing thought i want to offer because i figure we can we these are mini sodes we can wrap this up i don't know how much more we really have to talk about on this yeah i don't i don't think we need to uh, there are a couple uh, interesting challenge runs that I haven't done, but I, I've seen playthroughs of them that are interesting. But uh, yeah, Chris, did you know? I'll just mention this one yeah. real quick before we wrap up. Did you know that there are mods for Fire Emblem games where uh, when a character levels up, their stats decrease? Why? <laughs> so like, why they take, on God's green they, earth? They they take the stat values uh for each like. You know, uh, in Fire Emblem, a character has uh, different stat growth rates, which means that this character has like a 30% chance that they'll gain a in- an increase in HP upon leveling up or a 15% chance of gaining strength, so on and so forth. Those are the same. It's just negative. So instead, they'll have like a 30% chance of losing one point of uh, HP permanently. That just seems like, like that. a way to make the game unwinnable. Um. So I'm sure I guess there like, are people out there who are thumbing their nose and going, man, filthy casual. No, like, I, I think it's definitely, like, a challenge only for, like, the most hardcore, like, fan. Yeah. But, I like, as I was watching this uh, playthrough, I think what makes it work is that you're, instead of thinking of, like, okay, what are the best units, like, the units that have, like, the most growth, you're thinking of, like, all right, people never use Marcus because Marcus, like, starts off with, like, decent stats but they don't grow at all and you know his growth rates are terrible but now you're thinking about it in reverse where you're like marcus is going to be one of my most reliable units because hopefully when he levels up he doesn't lose that much so suddenly the the early game paladin is like your best unit (laughs) yeah your your mvp (laughs) that's amazing um and you're, you're thinking about like because in in fire emblem um if if you attack an enemy that's a lower level than you, you don't gain as much EXP. So you're also trying to calculate how much EXP a given unit's going to get from killing. So like if you want, you can designate a unit who's a higher level to like kill steal from other units, so that hopefully they get less EXP, or the units you want to use don't get as much EXP that's as the wild. one that you're giving all the kills to. And like yeah, it just it completely reshapes the way you think about like these characters and like instead of experience points they now feel like fatigue points where like characters are getting actively worse and worse the more combat they see my brain hurts it's Um, so cool that's really cool but no i think i think that there's a lot of games out there and probably plenty that i've played but haven't like thought about hard enough to realize that they're doing this that have these kinds of systems that allow you as a player to decide the kind or the severity of the challenge you want even outside of a standard difficulty setting and i think that that's really cool and i'm always down to find other games that are are looking for ways to encourage that kind of thinking because sometimes you just want to play a game that you love in a different way and sometimes that's a nuzlocke run and sometimes it's modding fire emblem so that it hurts chris Sometimes you want to play Devil May Cry without a single weapon and just attack using parries and counterattacks. Because <laughs> that's also a thing you can oh do. God. Man, I love video games. Video games are cool. Video games have too much power. 
<laughs> and on that note, I suppose, thank you all for listening to this week's mini-sode of Backstage Gaming. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope that you will come back on Thursday for another episode, because God knows we all need something to do right now. Um, <laughs> Quick shout-outs to everyone that we need to give shout-outs to. First off, us. If you like the show, what? wherever you're listening to it, go check it. Check us out on iTunes, on Spotify, on the Google Play Store, on Apple Podcasts, on wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a rating, leave a review. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell whoever you're holed up with during this quarantine pandemic, but just tell people. Also, if you want to get in touch with us or know more about us, the best place to do that is to go to our website, bsgpod.com. You can check out our bios, you can check out info about the show, you can check out a contact form if you want to reach out to us. And really... It's just a good website. I built it using a service that I'm not going to name drop until they sponsor us. Also, if you want to check us out on social media, you can find us on Facebook, on Twitter. Our handle is at BSG underscore cast. And you can also find us on YouTube. Um, and if you want to engage with us or, you know, talk about the stuff we cover in the show, uh, you can use hashtag BSG pod. Maybe talk about some challenge runs that you've done in the past. Please do. I want to know more about this stuff. Yeah. Like, I mean, you don't have to be a hardcore gamer or anything, oh but God. like, if you, if you, if you, if you wanted to like play a game in a different way, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear about some of the things people have done. Huge, huge thanks to our friend Brennan French for the key art he has provided our show. Um, if you dig his stuff, you can check him out on his Squarespace at brennan-french.squarespace.com. That is B-R-E-N-N-E-N-French.squarespace.com. Uh, you can also find him on Instagram.com slash Brennan French Arts or at Twitter, uh, his handle being at Brennan underscore French. You should also show some love to our friend BioQuery. He's the musician behind our theme song, Dot Sound Radio, Volume 1, Instrumentality. He's a great electronica musician and composer. And he also uh, recently posted on his Instagram that he has released a new track on his SoundCloud called Dot Sound Radio, Volume 2. So go sh go check that out. You can find that on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash bioquery, that's B-I-O-Q-U-E-R-Y, or you can head to Spotify and search for Bioquery. Thank you, as always, to the HP Video Game Podcast Network for having us on the network. It's a great network of shows about video games from a bunch of different angles, sometimes from news, sometimes from fandom, sometimes from development, sometimes from weird semi-analytical sides like us. If you like our show, you'll probably like some of theirs, so go check them out on Twitter at HPVGPodNetwork. And thank you, as always, to our patrons at patreon.com slash bsgpod. You did this. All of it. It's all your fault. And we appreciate the hell out of it. So thank you again. And if you want to support the show, patreon.com slash bsgpod is a great place to do that. With that, I think that'll wrap us. We'll talk to you on Thursday, everybody. Go play right. some games. Hey, Chris, when are we doing our challenge BSG run where we do the podcast without speaking? We do, we do the podcast, but we use our, uh, our inbuilt computer microphones and then Chris cries. <laughs> <laughs>
New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live.